Don't blame God for your rejection of him. And the, the way to remedy that is to, to go back to the last time you told God no and tell him yes. Go back to the last time that his will was not aligned with yours and you chose yours. Because God does not reject you. God's invitation is open for you today. Amen? Receive that today. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Let's read the word and let's just uh, have a posture of, of receiving this morning. An open heart. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you guys can be seated. Man, I feel like when I read this scripture, like there should be some kind of heavy metal background music. Destroy, you know, you know I just feel like there's got to be some kind of intensity to help us understand. Sometimes you're, you can read through scripture, right? And it just becomes like you get, you get to the end of the page and you kind of just don't even remember what you read. But there is an intensity here to Paul's words. He is not joking around with people who are trying to deceive who, with false prophets, he's not kidding. He takes it seriously, the warfare that we have, and it's our responsibility to take hold and destroy the strongholds. Can you hear the heavy metal behind it? Can you just hear the intensity of it? God has not rejected you. I'm, I'm speaking to you to destroy a stronghold in your life that says God has rejected you. You hear what I'm saying? I, I just, I want to speak to you with intensity this morning. Because you and I will live and die by the voices we listen to. And I'm not talking about the voices outside of you. I'm talking about the voices within you, in your thoughts, and your mind. And if we don't learn how to discern God's voice and take those thoughts captive and make them obey Jesus, then we're kind of sitting ducks for the attack of the enemy. He's just picking us off. But we're not powerless in this struggle. God has equipped us well to resist Satan and his temptations. And and my aim for you today is to equip you with the confidence to quiet the noise and hear God's voice. Because that is the confidence that God wills for you to have. I want to equip you with the confidence to, as Paul says, destroy every stronghold. Destroy the arguments and the lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. And the confidence to take those thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. I want you to hear the voice of the Lord. And I want you to know the truth. I long for you to live according to this truth. For there is a truth. The truth can be known, and it can be tested, and it can be built upon. The truth that will not fail will outlast any other ideology or trend or fashion. The truth is not some abstract said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is a person. 
And that person has a name, and his name is Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord today. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Truth is not just something God says. It is who he is. The word of truth is living and active. The most compelling and awe-inspiring truth in all of creation is that God, all-powerful, omnipotent, God of creation, has made himself knowable to you and to me. That should just shake us to the core. I want you to take some time this week to really fix your mind on that. That God has made himself knowable to you and to me. We don't have a God and a truth that is distant from us, that is disconnected, that is at an arm's length from us, that is far out of reach, that is in the sky in some universe far away. We have a God that is intimately known and knowable by us. He is intimately connected with us because he was the word and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. He moved into the neighborhood. This is the truth of Jesus coming to meet you and me. God is knowable. And the first way he made himself known at the beginning of creation, I just, I want you to hear this. God's character was revealed first in his voice. God chose sound as a primary tool for all of creation. Isn't that interesting? And God said, let there be light. Have you ever wondered what God's voice sounds like? Have you ever wondered what it sounded like on that day of creation? On that day when God said and he spoke into the chaos, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. The earth was a a ball of nothingness and chaos and disorder. And God, in his voice, called it into order. What did it sound like? Through his word, we find that his voice is so complex and yet so simple, so thunderous and yet so tender. It's more beautiful and more terrifying than anything we've ever heard. His voice is so rich with a tone so pure that it actually breaks atomic bonds and restructures molecules and creates out of nothing, no doubt, If we were there that day, it would have struck us with fear and wonder. And the the best thing that I can describe it as is when when you hear and feel lightning and thunder right close to you. Have you ever been so close to a lightning strike that you felt the thunder? That it actually shook your house? Did it cause you to be fearful and in awe at the same time? Was, was, your, was your need to cower and also to lean and look 
brought to life at the same time. I, I imagine that is how, just a little taste of how it might have felt to be there on that day. And it brings me new and fresh revelation and fresh meaning to David's lyric from the song we find in Psalm 139. I praise you for what? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you, can you hear it? Can you hear the, the voice of the Lord? This, this, this scripture has always kind of confused me. Like fearfully and wonderfully, what does that mean? If you heard the voice of the Lord... Would it not be something that would strike fear in you, but also wonder? This is the God who has made himself known to you and to me. Think about it. Sound existed before light, before atmosphere, before land, plants, animals, and humans. Not only did it exist before these things, it is actually the means by which God chose for everything to come into existence. So God's voice is very important, wouldn't you say? This is not what we read in Genesis 1-3, and God said, is not just poetry, although it's beautiful poetry. It's not a literary personification of God. This is a reality. God said, God spoke, God has a voice. And if God has a voice, then it's possible that we can hear it too. Look at the story of scripture and the history of church. It's filled to the brim with the voice of the Lord speaking to mere men and women like you and me, broken people imperfect people, but the voice of the Lord breaking into the life of someone whom he needed to speak to, someone who was listening, someone who had an ear to hear the voice of the Lord. So don't let anyone deceive you. God is still speaking today. So let us be found listening. And if we can hear his voice, then is there anything more worthy of our attention? Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know who said that? It was in the Old Testament, but who said it? Again, Jesus. And when did he say it? After 40 days of not having bread. <laughs> After 40 days of being in a wilderness, separated from all the physical comforts, all the things that we feel like we need, Jesus said it because it was real. Hear the word of the Lord today as I impress upon you to listen to the Lord Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it was true for Jesus, and it's true for you, and it's true for me. Is there anything more worthy of your attention than the voice of the Lord? The question is, is there anything clamoring for your attention other than the voice of the Lord? You can nod your head yes to that. <laughs> There's a man named Gordon Hempton. He's what's called, his profession is that he is an acoustic ecologist. 
Don't you want to be an acoustic ecologist, right? Man, that sounds really cool, right? What is? Perhaps that question is in your mind. What is an acoustic ecologist? If I want to be this, I might want to know what it is. An acoustic ecologist is someone who records the sounds of nature and studies those sounds and the effects of those sounds upon humans and humans upon those sounds. And so what Gordon Hempton does is he travels the world recording the sounds of silence. And in his journey throughout the years, decades of his career, what he has found is that the world is becoming louder. Like not just in, in like just theory, not just, oh, it's noisier today. Not just in I've got five children, my house is noisy, okay? That's an honest thing. In, in the sense that the world is becoming a louder place. And how he knows this is that he has to go to further and further extents to find uninterrupted sounds of nature. And here's what he says. This is a quote. His conclusion from his research is that there is an epidemic of extinction of quiet places. Man. There is an epidemic of extinction of quiet places. And I'm not just talking about forests and trees, am I? Do you feel this in your heart? Do you feel this and recognize this in your mind, in your thoughts, that perhaps in you and me there's an epidemic of extinction of quiet places? So if you were Satan, which I'm not saying that you are. You're not, you're not the devil, as your mama might have said back in the day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think my mama might have said that to me a few times. <laughs> uh, so if you were Satan, what would be your first blow to deal to the crown jewel of God's creation, to man and woman? What would it be? Would you try to go toe-to-toe with God in a battle of brute force? No, you ain't that dumb. You just saw God do all of this, and you haven't got any power at all compared to his. No, you're not going to go toe-to-toe with God in a battle, in a fist fight. Would you try to steal God's gold and run away with it? No, like, like God is everywhere. There's nowhere you can run where God does not know you and see you. Would you try to create an alternate universe and attract his creation to it? No, because this, this is too cush of a place. You don't even have the power to create anything different. Would you try to stomp on his beautiful flowers and burn his pristine floor, forests? No, because you knew that God would just make another one grow again. You just saw him create. You just know he creates out of nothing. You see it. No, you would try. If you were Satan, you would just try to create noise. You would create dissonance in the song of creation. You would target the mind of the woman and the man and plant 
deception, a subtle deception, a question that awakens a desire that was not intended for them. You would deceive, and with your deception, you would slowly release a poisonous thought, a temptation that would prey upon that distorted desire. And then that would turn into a decision, and that decision into an action, and that sin-filled action into an irreversible cascade of unavoidable consequences. And this is the chaos that is also killing us. This is the noise that's still reverberating today in your mind and in mind. And when you can't quiet the noise, what happens? Your world begins to break down. You feel trapped in disorder, enslaved by the work. Your only identity is in your production, and it's never enough. And this should not be, my friends. Satan, more than anyone, knows the power of truth. He understands that it's ultimately what will destroy him. And I wanted to say something else, but it will destroy him, right? He's been struck and mortally wounded, but God, by his own will, has allowed him to continue his deception as he draws ever nearer to his ultimate and final destruction. So Satan's greatest attack against you is to deceive you. The word tells us in John 8, that he is a deceiver and the father of all lies. What is he deceiving you about? The truth that brings life and not death. Freedom and not slavery. Love and not hatred. And what is his primary means of deception? Noise. To plant thoughts and desires in your heart and mind. This is what the Bible calls temptation. Have you ever asked the question? I would, I've asked this. How does Satan have access to my thoughts? Why, why does he get to put thoughts in my head? I've asked that question. And we don't know exactly how. But in some way, he interacts with our own sinful nature to plant deceitful desires and thoughts in our own hearts. Our own sin gives Satan a foothold and an opportunity to deepen the deception. Ephesians 4.27, listen to this. You've heard it, but hear it in this context. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Opportunity, or you may have heard it said, a foothold to the devil. Satan is an opportunist. And somehow, kind of mix with his opportunist bend and it creates a foothold and an open door for him to come and plant these deceptive thoughts in us still. But here's 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. I want you to hear this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So the foundational answer to this question is how does Satan access my thoughts is that this, this might come as a surprise to you. But God 
has allowed it. And uh, if God has allowed it, my first thought is, that sucks, right? Why would a loving God allow this to continue on? My second thought is, what the heck? Come on, God. And my third thought is this, I wonder, I wonder if God is up to something. Because if God has allowed it, there must be a purpose for it. Some of you feel powerless against temptation. Listen, I was at a party the other night with some friends, and uh, there were pizza rolls. I mean, you laugh because you immediately know. Like, I lost all control. <laughs> like, I was immediately reversed back 24 years to when I was 19 years old, and my friends would, like, literally, we were deep into a bag of 48 pizza rolls, like, easily, and cooking more. You know, the oven was still hot, right? The temptation was real. I mean, I just couldn't resist. It wasn't, there wasn't even a thought. Like, it was just like automation. Pizza roll. I just felt like a robot. I felt like, what in the world? And I felt powerless against temptation. I just, I couldn't resist. And I literally left, like, feeling like, thank you, Jesus, for pizza. Good, let's be honest. And just like, what in the world? What was I thinking? You know, and you wake up from a stupor and you're like, I just ate 10 pizza rolls. Uh, thank you to whoever brought those. I don't know who that was, but um, listen, some of you, all kidding aside, some of you feel powerless against temptation. And my desire for you today is that you would have confidence to quiet the noise and hear God's voice. Temptation, here's what I want you what if I told you that Satan's go-to tactic for creating noise in your life, temptation, is actually the secret key to resisting him and standing firm in your faith. What if I told you that the thing that he's actually using to get you farther from God is the thing that the secret key to you actually drawing near to God? And here's some things. Here's something I want you to hear. Write this down. Temptation. Now, this is going to be, I just got to, this is going to be one of those cheesy preacher puns, okay? Just like Jacob. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But this is like a, this is like, <laughs> earlier when he said, you know, make, make, go preach. I don't know what you said. Anyway, uh, this is going to be like probably one of those cheesy preacher puns, okay? But just bear with me. This is going to be one of those one-liners that the preacher feels like, oh, yeah, I got this, and the people are rolling their eyes at, okay? This is going to be a bad cheesy country lyric, you know, when you hear it on the radio and you're like, oh my goodness, how did that make it on the radio? What in the world? Okay, but listen, this, I want you to remember this. Temptation is an invitation to transformation. Temptation is an invitation to transformation. In order to get a proper perspective on this, I want you to hear these five things about temptation. All right, one, temptation is not sin. Now, Satan would like for you to believe, even before he gets, if he, could, if he could defeat you by shaming you for feeling tempted, man, he's won the game. He's like, I don't even have to do anything. 
I don't even have to, I don't even have to follow through. All I got to say is, you're an idiot. You're a sinner. You should feel ashamed for even having this thought. Listen, temptation is not a sin. How do I know that? Well, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted yet without sin. So temptation is not a sin. Number two, temptation is common. No temptation, uh, this is... uh, Corinthians, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Temptation is common. Listen, if Satan wants to isolate you and say, you're the only one that deals with this, just tell him that's not true. Temptation is common. And I know I at least got one, Jesus who dealt with this. If there ain't nobody else in the world, I know Jesus did because he was tempted in every way, right? Number three, temptation is not irresistible. Back to Hebrews 4.15 too. He was tempted yet without sin. By the power of Christ, we can resist temptation. Number four, temptation is not from God. It's not from God. James chapter one says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And here's the turn, though. Number five. Temptation is a bright arrow pointing you to the truth. I want you to begin seeing temptation in your life as a sign pointing you to the exit ramp. How many of you... Pay attention to signs on the road. Even if you're using your GPS, you still have to see the sign, right? And the sign is not wrong. It's not wrong to look at the sign. It's not wrong that there's a sign there, right? But temptation for you is a bright arrow pointing you to the truth. You see, Satan, what Satan has meant for evil God is turning for good. So you got to see the trigger. You got to see the sign and you got to take the exit. Recognize the sign and take the exit. How do you resist the devil? How do you quiet the noise? You hijack temptation in your life. How do you hijack temptation? Here's kind of the, where I want to draw this down for you. I'm going to give you five more things. It's a 10-point sermon. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Okay. (laughs) How to hijack temptation in your life. Make, number one, make hearing God's voice the ultimate pursuit of your life. Is there anything more worthy of your attention than getting yourself in a position on a regular basis to hear the voice of the Lord? Become a student of the truth, a student of the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus. If Jesus did it, you do it. If he walked it out, you walk it out. If he had a habit, you have a habit. This is what it means to be an apprentice, to have a rabbi who teaches you a way, a yoke, who gives you a yoke of understanding, a paradigm, a rule of life, 
a way of seeing the world, a way of interacting with the world. If Jesus did it, then let's do it ourselves. If you want to hijack temptation, then make hearing God's voice the ultimate pursuit of your life because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Number two is draw near to him. The closer you are to God, the more likely you are to dismantle the deception. It's that old uh, story of how do they teach bank tellers how to tell if something is counterfeit? They don't show them counterfeit money. They show them the real thing. They show them the real $100 bill. And they study it. And they know it. And they see it. So that when they see a counterfeit, they know it because it's not the real thing. And friend, there are so many counterfeit voices in your life. There is a temp- so many temptations that are telling you, oh, well, this is what you should desire. This is what you really want. He's playing on your desires just like he's done for, since the beginning. But you can use that temptation as a bright arrow pointing you to the truth. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this like the next time that there's temptation coming to your mind? I want you to consider, stop and consider. What is this actually pointing me to? It's trying to point me away from God and towards this thing, but what is it pointing me to? What is the truth that is really underlying in this temptation? Because Satan has nothing of his own. He can't create anything. He can't even create lies without truth. Come on now. He's powerless. Doesn't mean he's not dangerous, but... For you who know the truth, who stand on the word of God, who have Jesus as the rock of your salvation, he is powerless. His temptation is nothing for you but a bright sign pointing you to Jesus. The very thing he wanted to use in your life to distract you and to bring noise into your life is the thing that reassures you that you're going the right way. So take the exit. Draw near to God. Number three, restore the extinct, quiet places in your life. Hit the brakes. You know the best way to get the exit and not miss it is to slow down. And I'm just preaching to the choir right now. I'm preaching myself, okay? The best way to take the exit is to hit the brakes. Somehow you got to slow down that pizza roll process, okay? Somehow there has to be a thought in between the stimulus and the action. Because Satan would love nothing more than to dehumanize you by making you an animal. What's the difference between a human and an animal? Lots of differences. Okay, <laughs> you know, that's a rhetorical question. I'm going to answer that for you. The animal is stimulus action. There's not a thought life in an animal. It is stimulus, instinct, action. Satan would love to get you there. And in many ways, he does. He deceives us to the point to where we are not even thinking about it and we're doing it. That's why we have to be near to God. That's why we have to study and show ourselves approved that we are rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why we have to hear the voice of God. That's why we have to get near to him because we have to cut off that cycle We have to add steps in there that allow us to slow down and take the exit. That allow us to see the sign and it's not just a blur and all of a sudden we end up and we're like 
30 miles from where we should have been. And we're like, what just happened? How did I get here? You got here because of temptation. And because you have set up the architecture of your life to serve the noise of temptation. And my friend, I'm just telling you, tactically in your life, you have to begin to know the truth, to draw near to God, to restore the extinct quiet places in your life. These are practical ways that you can resist temptation because if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Number four is know your enemy. Become a student of his lies. Identify them. Name the lies. There are a lot of lies from your past, a lot of scripts that you don't even know you're believing. Ask the Lord, God, give me discernment. Help me to know the lies and the deception. Help me to see the things that I cannot see with my own mind because of trauma or because of past experiences. Jesus, reveal to me your truth and let me see the lies in living color. Let me see that sign lit up brightly, that temptation as for what it is. It is not me. This is not the road I'm inevitably just supposed to go down. This is just who I am. I'm just rejected by God. I'm not rejected by God. The truth is I am loved by and pursued by a creator who desires to be near to me, who wants to speak to me, who has a voice that is calling out to me. That is the love of God for you. The love of God is in his voice that's calling for you. Take the exit, slow down, but know the enemy. He's not some weakling. He's been around the block a few times, all right? But so is Jesus. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were created through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And God's on the hunt to hotwire Satan's temptation in your life into a bright lighted sign to the truth. I want to equip you with confidence to quiet the noise and hear God's voice. Here's number five in your step of how you hijack temptation. You destroy the enemy. You destroy the strongholds. Now you know the truth. Now you've got it. You know the lies. You know what it is. You absolutely destroy the strongholds. You speak with boldness the truth of God. Now listen, I just want you to hear this. We talked about Satan's tactics. You know, what would you do if you were Satan? What would you do if you were Jesus? If you just wanted to hand it to Satan? If you just wanted to slap him in the face? Because we all want to, right? What did Jesus do? Did he come at Satan with a sword, with brute force? Did he come at him and just kick him out? And just rip, it, rip him to shreds? No, he came at him with a voice and a voice of truth. Can you imagine the day that Jesus died on the cross? Satan thought he had won, but Jesus knew that he had to die to get into Satan's house. And can you imagine the awe and the fear that shook through the house that day when the lightning bolt of the voice of Jesus, who they thought was dead, came alive. When the roar of the lion of Judah in the house of Satan came out 
with a loud shout and said, you are no longer powerful in this place. I'm going to take the keys and the authority and I'm going to rise up again and you are defeated. Friend, that is where Satan is. He's just awaiting his fight. He's done. His power is ripped away from him. He has no power over you. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. He will provide for you an exit ramp. And the voice of the Lord is for you today. Listen. How did Jesus resist Satan's temptations? The same way you will. He destroyed his arguments, took captive his thoughts, and made them obedient to Christ. Friend, let the noise be over in your life. Let the dissonance be eradicated. Let the chaos be eliminated. Let the peace be restored to you today. Let the beautiful harmony of heaven be in your heart today. God's desire for you is that you would hear his voice saying, come. Come to me. Come. That is his invitation to you. Both now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, God, that you have all authority in this place. Have all authority in our lives, Lord, and that we are not powerless against the enemy, but you have given us your truth. May we stand firmly in it, Lord. Teach us to hear your voice, Lord. Teach us the sound of it. We, your sheep, may we know your voice and follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.